You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. I'm Jason Klaus, and over the course of my life, I have done a lot of different things worn a lot of different hats. But this may be my greatest endeavor yet. Welcome to my show, where on here we will discuss anything and everything that happens in the world around us and how we can go about making things better for you, for me, and everybody that we share this world with. I may go on rants, I will go on sidebars, but it all comes from the heart. Welcome to the Close to the Heart podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Klaus to the Heart podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network. I'm Jason Klaus. Certainly appreciate you tuning in this week. Uh, we're going to do a um, kind of a dual topic episode again here. Uh, kind of a random, not not necessarily random thoughts. I have two specific things I want to talk about, and they're nowhere near related. Um, but still very personally driven. You know, I have personal feelings about it, and um, it's episodes like this that, you know, I really expand on the platform that I'm given here to express my views, my opinions, my feelings on things, but I also realize that, you know, there is a code of conduct unofficially that goes into things like this, because, you, you, you know, you just can't come into an open forum like like this you get in front of a live mic and just start spewing anything and everything that comes to your mind without giving it a second thought because what happens more often than not is you know you ruffle feathers you cause controversy which is you know by and large what people um may be striving for just to get their name out there because they adopt the philosophy of bad publicity is better than no publicity and i, I don't know if i necessarily agree with that on, you know, across the board, getting your name out there and, you know, in an effort to be heralded as somebody who should be respected, or at least that their opinion should be expected, you know, people go about it in funny ways. That's why I maintain generally, just you know, in real life, as well as doing something like this, like I'm pretty calculated with my words and I will take the time almost uh too much in some regards that i will process my my thoughts i will think about what i'm saying before i say it because i don't want it to be misconstrued and i don't want something to say i that i say in the heat of the moment to 
um, totally disqualify my overall point that I'm trying to make, right? And all depending on what we're dealing with, all depending on what the topic is and the sensitivity of it and all of the inner workings that may be involved around it or in it, you, you also have to find that razor's edge. And like, I excel at that. I, I could take it right up to and balance on that razor's edge before stepping over, you know, the proverbial line. Pretty good about that. And most anybody knows that when I have something to say, and whatever I do say, it's it's something that I mean. Like, I'm not just out here, you know, blowing smoke, you know. I'm not here to, um, you know, blow wind up, wind up anybody's skirt. Like, this is just the way I see things. You tuned into this show for that reason. In which I appreciate, by the way. Now, the first topic of conversation that we're going to touch on is, um, well, something that's obviously near and dear to me. Well, I don't know about dear, but it is near. And, um, you know, it brings out a number of different emotions, a number of different opinions. And um, it's affecting me, right? Or at least has the has a potential to really affect me on a personal and a professional level um it's no secret if you're on social media if you watch the news you are very much aware of the strike that is happening right now between uh the uaw and the big three automakers uh general motors ford and stellanus formerly known as chrysler um, it's just now that I'm able to put the word Stellan as something of a, you know, a regular part of my vocabulary because, you know, it was just, it's always, it had always been Chrysler to me, you know, growing up when we heard the big three, that's what they were, GM, Ford, Chrysler, but now it's Stellanus. Cool. Um, be that as it may, just like it happened four years ago, it's happening again here and now. And, um, and that is the public's perception of what this strike is. And, uh, the fact of the matter is the absolute fundamental fact of the matter is there are so many uneducated people who have this open forum of the internet to spew their opinions. But the problem is, look, I'm all about people having an opinion. Everybody should have an opinion. I'm not telling you that your opinion is wrong. What I'm telling you, more often than not, I've had this in text conversations. I've had it in chat room conversations. I've had it in face-to-face -face conversations. Your opinion is based on false narrative. Your opinions are based on rumor and innuendo. They're not based on fact. They're not based on figures. You are... By and large, the ones that are spewing just a bunch of unnecessary and sometimes um, unreadable content. What's happening is, is you're getting headlines. You're reading the headlines of these various posts. You're not taking the time to actually read the articles, especially with those entities that will kind of um, 
forecast how long it would take you to read that article. Well, this is a five minute read or this is an eight minute read or you know what I'm saying? If it's over the two minute mark, like generally people lose interest. They're not interested in spending that kind of time to actually read the actual article that may be five plus minutes. Their attention span is just will not allow them. That's all I need to hear. That's all I need to see to base my opinion on your opinion. Because there are people that will go on social media and they will conduct some degree of research. They will find facts and figures and things of this nature in the way it's laid out or presented, all depending on what side of the conflict you're focusing on, because both sides are going to spin the narrative to make themselves look more favorable. There's black, there's white. And in a world where there is a gray area, and where that's where a lot of people prefer to stay, it does come back down to black and white. Okay, Numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. You, you got to take that into consideration. But you also have to dig a little bit deeper and figure out how did those numbers come to be and what exactly do those numbers represent. It takes a little bit of time to get to the truth, but if it, it's, you know, if you want to be respected, if you want your opinion to be respected, it doesn't have to be agreed with, but, I mean, fundamentally respected. Do some goddamn research. It is not that difficult. Okay? It really is not. It takes time. But I feel like if you're going to spend the time to go on social media and bash or condemn or or talk shit about an entity, you should at least know what the actual hell you're talking about. Because otherwise you're going to get butchered online. And then it just starts a giant pissing contest back and forth. But it's really not a pissing contest back and forth because what it is, those who actually know, those who actually have the information, like real, actual information, they're laughing at you. They are entertaining you. you your role in that equation went from somebody who had an opinion that could have sparked something of a conversation to now you are now deemed a troll. And I don't know. To me, that ain't very flattering. But if that's what, you know, that's what makes you tick, then I guess, you know, it's, it's all on you, man, and that's on full display. So good luck with that. Love that for you. But don't be pissed when people who actually know shit come back at you and be like, no, you're wrong. You're just fundamentally wrong. And nobody likes being told they're wrong. But when they're wrong, they're wrong. That's just, that's just it. Too much of the shit that I see and that I hear is based on rumor and innuendo. Too, too, so much that I see and read and hear is based on assumptions. I talked about this on the real podcast on the last episode. And you know, and this was 
you know, days leading up to the, the contract expiration, which occurred at 1159 on September the 14th, when that clock struck midnight, three plants went out on strike. Three, one representing each of the big three. This approach is unprecedented. This approach has not been done like this before. Generally, it has been the UAW in their contract negotiations will focus on one company at a time. Hammer out a deal, ratify it, move on to the next one. Four years ago, during the last contract cycle, General Motors was the only one that actually went out on strike. Every GM plant went out for 44 days. Ford kept working. Stellantis kept working. GM went down. For a month and a half, we held the line in hopes of getting a better deal. A better compensation package, as the CEOs will refer to it as. And here's the thing. I know people have an opinion about how much we make because for whatever reason, because we work for a publicly traded company that it's deemed okay to put all of our financial business for the whole fucking world to be made aware of. I, I That's something that I do not and I will never agree with. It is none of anybody's goddamn business what I make per hour. It is nobody's business what kind of bonuses I get. Because here's the thing. Every red penny that gets deposited into my account every week, I have earned. Does not matter if it is based on my regular 40-hour or 49-hour paycheck or if it's profit sharing or some other bonus, I have earned every single penny of that, as have my other union brothers and sisters who work their fingers to the bone, endure situations, scenarios, environments, and people that would make a normal person cringe if not succumb. We're built differently. Auto workers are built, you know, we are built to build vehicles. People have come into our plants and have tried because they were under the impression that a, getting a job within one of the big three was easy street to financial success. What they found out on day one when they actually stepped foot onto the manufacturing floor, they actually had to earn their paycheck. It's a shock to the system on, on, on the level that some of them immediately quit because it's too much. Because not everybody can do what we do. Thousands upon thousands have tried and have abandoned that course of action, that plan, because it, they just weren't built for it. We were on our feet for the majority of the day. We are using muscles. 
We are using our minds to build these vehicles. The vehicles that you buy, that you depend on to transport you to and from work, to transport your children to and from school, or the ball game, or the practices, or the whatever the gimmick may be. You count on that. You count on these vehicles being built safely to exceed expectations. And that's what we do. Now you're going to get these jack offs that are that are going to get that are going to go online and they're going to be spewing a bunch of shit about how our jobs are so easy and they they can bring a monkey in here to uh to do our jobs hey fill out the application bitch let, let grab a pair of gloves let me show you what this is all about i guarantee you your entire philosophy and your mindset will change by the time lunch rolls around it will be such a shock to your system you may not and you probably won't be back the next day And I realize that when you look at the auto industry, specifically the big three, it's broken up into eras, right? For us, we call it the old GM and the new GM. The old GM is a regime and an era and a way that things were done that put the company on the track to put itself in position to where it needed a government bailout in 2008. That is no longer a thing. So the men and women that cash a paycheck from one of the big three automakers, by and large, you can rest assured that that man or that woman sacrificed a whole lot more within the course of one week than most people will their entire lives, mentally and physically especially the mental part. It's facts. So before you go on social media or you go on your little platform, whatever it may be, and you think about you're going to start condemning the UAW workers because we want a bump in pay to reflect the inflation that we are trying to survive in because while the profits are growing and while prices at the stores are, are continuing to rise, our wages have not. They do not reflect what is happening in the overall economy. So you're goddamn right, man. We want a little bit more. We, we deserve more. And thankfully for us, we are in a profession where a union is actively bargaining to try to make that happen. I'm sorry that whatever course of employment you embarked on does not have that luxury for you. That's unfortunate. So when you, you know, think about what you do when you go in and you ask for a raise and you're shot down. 
who are you going to bitch to? When the boss comes to you on five uh, on a Friday evening at five o'clock, as you are walking to the time clock to punch out, hey, Joe, going to need you tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. What are you going to do? Tell him no? You could lose your job. By and large, shit like that don't happen when you're represented by a union because the union is there to make sure that you, as an employee, are treated and compensated fairly based on what you do for the company and the success of it. You're looking at an, at an industry that over the last decade has profited a quarter of a trillion fucking dollars. And you don't think that the workers that actually made the products that that facilitated that kind of profit increase, they don't deserve some of that kickback? I guarantee you, if you were in our shoes, your position would be different. So before you go spewing your nonsense, do some fucking research. And think about how that would apply to your position. And this is all going to depend on where you are in the proverbial pecking order in terms of how our society is labeled. Because the rich of the rich is the almighty, right? Like whoever has the most money has the most power. They can control the fucking world. Look, man, I'm not here to control the world. I just want to be able to provide for my family comfortably without having to stress the fuck out about how, you know, how many days is it until the next paycheck and so I can pay this bill, but this one's going to be late. And you know what I'm saying? And it's not because we, well, I'm not going to speak for every single union member, but by and large, we don't live beyond our means. The problem is, is that the means are keep getting more and more expensive and we're desperately trying to catch up to it based on what we do, based on what we have, based on what we're paid. So, yeah, we we want a little bit more, a little bit more cheese on the Whopper, as it were. Which is kind of a funny analogy coming from me because I don't like cheese on my burgers as a sidebar, but be that as it may, you get what I'm saying. And if you don't, if none of this makes any sense to you, I would suggest that you are part of the problem. Your ignorance is what is fueling a lot of this animosity that is happening between uh, UAW workers and the general public, UAW members and the bargaining committee, the upper echelon of these big three companies. And it doesn't need to be that way. Because I guarantee you, and I'll use this as an example, and I don't know how it is with every other local across our nation. I don't. My experience is with mine. Um, my local, local 598, <clears throat> 
It isn't my opinion. Based on what I've seen. Our local takes a tremendous amount of interest in our community. Not our, I don't live in Flint, but the Flint community. There is all kinds of projects, all kinds of fundraisers, all kinds of things to raise money and awareness and help for people and organizations in the community that are struggling. The UAW steps up for this. We do the polar plunge every year to raise money for the Special Olympics. There's uh, you know, a variety of different softball tournaments and you know, other things of this nature in an effort to raise money for various organizations. Uh, autism awareness is a huge campaign for our plant and our local. That's you know, by and large headed up by Stephanie Riley, who has done an amazing job in that aspect. Uh, all the respect in the world for her and, and what she's done. Um, we have these different committees within the, within our local that target these, these specific needs, you know, these specific, uh, well, we have one where, you know, if somebody is, is disabled and they can't get in and out of their house safely, a, a group of my union brothers will spend a day or two to build a ramp to get for those people so that they can get in and out of their homes. It's just examples like that, you know. The holidays are a big thing, man. Like we, like they collect money and food and, and things of this nature for the old newsboys and the food pantries and things of this nature. So my point in all that is, a lot of times, the ones that talk the most shit, when things go south and within that community, the UAW is often involved in some way or another in, in the relief effort to help that individual or that entity that that individual may be a part of. And like I said, I don't know how other locals do it within their respective towns, cities, and communities. I don't, I have no idea. I'm not going to pretend like I do. All I know is what happens in Flint, Michigan. All I know is what, what, what kind of support comes out of local 598. That's what I have my, my expertise in or my vision or my knowledge of. There's some damn good people, damn good men and women that represent the local 598. And I realized with all the headlines that have happened over the last couple of years with UAW attached to it, all the different lawsuits and resignations and sentencings, you know, like I get that there is a negative stigma to it, a negative aura. But again, that was a regime of then. This is now. Sean Fain is like in his sixth month as president of the UAW. And he has already established himself as a champion 
on so many levels. In a game where one side came to play checkers, this motherfucker showed up playing chess. And it's pretty impressive. And it surprised a lot of people. Shut a lot of doubters up. Other ones are still going to run their mouth. They're going to run their mouth no matter what. If they if it's in their brain, it's coming out. They, they just don't want to put in the effort. And that's unfortunate. Because I find, like, I feel like if they would actually stop, look, and listen, they would actually have a better understanding as to what in the hell is going on. And here's an idea. You know, in, in, instead of spewing a bunch of ignorant misinformation, why don't you actually take the time to reach out to a union member? They're pretty recognizable on social media. A lot of us have changed our profile pictures to the UAW logo in some regard. Reach out. Ask us a question. Now, union workers, I would I would implore that if you are a, if you are one that is a, that is approached by somebody that is legitimately trying to learn more or get some information, be respectful, be professional because you represent not just yourself, not just your local, the UAW, because you are coming, they came to you as a representative because you have presented yourself as such. A lot of people don't take that into consideration because one bad interaction with that individual puts in that other guy's mind, puts the UAW in a very negative light because of the actions of the words of the demeanor or whatever of one individual, one member, one out of thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands. So it goes both ways, man. I stand with the union workers who are striking now and the ones who may be called upon in the days and the weeks as we move forward. Hopefully it doesn't go that long, but you know, who knows? Like I get, like I said, unprecedented. It's unprecedented. So with that, we're going to run a quick timeout, run an ad or two, and then we're going to come back for the second segment. It has absolutely nothing to, to do with any of this. So stick around. More of the Klaus to the Heart podcast is right after this. There's some exciting new changes that are coming to the PFC Entertainment Network. New podcasts, new hosts, new topics, new guests. It's a whole new ball game as we enter a new schedule beginning this fall for the network on Mondays and kicks off Wednesday. Why? Followed by the flagship show, the Close to the Heart podcast on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, we go back in time with power trippers through the age. It gets a little hot on Fridays with new episodes of the Heat Pet, and on Saturdays, you will see alternating podcasts between the real podcast and Turnbuckle Time Machine. Also returning this fall will be Hanging with the Hitman with Todd Gilbert and Brett Forty. You can check out all of the great shows from the PFC Network on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio.
Do you have a piece of antique or vintage furniture? Something that may have seen its better days and you want to restore it, you want to bring it back to life? I want to tell you about my friend Andrea Bridges who's doing something very, very cool. She actually is in the business of restoring antique and vintage pieces of furniture. She will take your piece, she will refinish it, she will repaint it, she will restore the magic that it was. And it could have been something that belonged to your grandparents, something that was a favorite piece of your mom and dad, something that means something to you and you don't want to send it to just anybody. You want to send it to the best. You want to send it to First and Spring Designs located in Hadley, Michigan. You can find them over on Facebook or you can send Andrea an email at andreagrace2015 at outlook.com. andreagrace2015 at outlook.com. Explain the situation. Explain what you would like to have done and see what Andrea can do for you. Yeah, you could take it to anybody, but you really want to take it to the best for something that means this much to you. So one more time, Look for First and Spring Designs on Facebook. They are located in Hadley, Michigan. Or you can send Andrea an email, andreagrace2015 at outlook.com. If you have antique or vintage furniture that needs to be brought back to life, there's only one place that I would take my articles to, and it's where you need to take your stuff to as well. Hey, welcome back to the show. Certainly appreciate you tuning in here. This is the Klaus of the Heart podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network. And of course, I'm Jason Klaus. So um, I probably sound a little bit different than the last segment because, well, I um, went to upload everything and come to find out my second segment uh, was deemed unavailable, cannot be uploaded onto the episode. I do not know why. I did not have time to figure out to figure it out and I wanted to get this thing up you know to drop at midnight like it's supposed to Uh, so we're having to re-record and with that I am doing it through the mobile app on my phone in my truck sitting in the parking lot at my place of employment which is somewhat ironic when you consider the topic of the previous episode but be that as it may here we are now I said right before the break and Probably at the start of the show, too. You know, I had a couple different topics that were nowhere near related. But both of them were of personal and vested interest to me. Obviously, like I described earlier, um, with the whole thing going on between the big three automakers and the UAW and the strike that is, you know, currently happening. You know, obviously that's going to be on my radar and it will continue to be so i mean just be forewarned i guess i should have said that too just just be forewarned that you know for as long as this thing goes on and because it does affect me the way that it does because i am directly involved in this thing as a uaw member um there you will probably get frequent updates every week or at least some some sort of mention of it because it is that big of a deal listen the name of the show isn't just a play on words. Like there, there's some some gravity to that, man. There, like, yeah, it's close to the heart, but it's close to my heart, and 
you know, you start fucking around with my money and my career and my future and being able to provide for my family, you better believe that uh, I'm going to have a vested interest and I'm going to have an opinion of it. And with an open forum like I have here, um, yeah, I'm going to use this to, to address that. Now, you probably heard that sound. Um, like I said, I'm at, I'm at work and there are semi trucks that roll through here. There are seagulls all over the place. We have a very serious seagull problem here. And, uh, you know, I told them what they had to do to get rid of this problem, but like they think it's a goddamn joke. Um, but I'm like, Hey, I got this straight from the people that run T-Mobile Park in Seattle, Washington. And you want to talk about a seagull problem. Seattle, Washington's got it, right? But that was a sidebar. Let's get back on track. I mentioned I was going to talk about something totally different than the strike for the second segment, and it is this. And I can't believe, actually, as I sit here and think about it, that I'm actually dedicating pretty much the entire segment based around one dude, well, this particular dude, unless, you know, something bad had happened, and, like, I had to address it in that manner, but that's not the case here. I want to talk about um, something pretty significant that happened this past Friday night. Um, Hi. Hi. So, um, listen, this is going to be very much wrestling related. So if you're not a wrestling fan, you're probably, you know, you could, I won't be offended if you turn this off now, but like it, it does, it is pretty significant. And if you are a wrestling fan, hopefully you'll take something away from this and you'll have another, even better appreciation for what you either watched live happen on Friday night or subsequently in clips and things of this nature on video. That is the return to world wrestling entertainment of the rock. And, uh, you know, now at this stage, you know, I feel like there are just as many people, if not more that know him by Dwayne Johnson. You know, I mean, the guy is the highest paid action star, movie star in Hollywood. And, uh, but before that was even a thing, he was without a shadow of a doubt, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. That was his, you know, his tagline, his catchphrase, but like the rock character became part of pop culture, you know, in the mid nineties mid to late 90s when the Monday Night Wars were very much a thing and just about every single person knew somebody who was dialed in and wholeheartedly invested in professional wrestling. And you were either on Team WCW that had the more established stars like Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, you know, you just go on down the line. They had, you know, and they had their own 
quote-unquote homegrown talent too. Sting, Goldberg, Diamond Dallas Page, Booker T, um, you know, guys like this. But on the other side, you had the World Wrestling Federation. And while all their big names were taking guaranteed contracts and reduced schedules to jump ship to WCW, the WWF was forced to make new stars, and man, did they ever. And of all the talent that ran through WWF during the Attitude Era, there was two guys that really rose above everybody else. Obviously, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The whole Austin 316 thing just, I mean, took fire, and it, it was it was really something to watch unfold. But while all that was happening, here comes you know Dwayne Johnson, and he transforms his gimmick during the course of the beginning stages of the Attitude Era. So by the time the Monday Night Wars were really at a fevered pitch. The Rock was truly born. And man, this guy was establishing him, even though he was positioned as a heel, a bad guy. And oftentimes feuding with Austin, who was super white hot at that time. These trucks are pissing me off. Uh, super white hot at the time. He, uh, he had to have that rival, man. You know, and it didn't take long for us longtime fans to realize we're looking at the next big rivalry, the one of those marquee tent pole era defining rivalries. Austin versus The Rock was that. You know, and to see what The Rock had become. Because when Austin went out, either with injury or he left the company or what, whatever the case may be, The Rock maintained and became the face of, of the Federation. Became the champion, um, was headlining all the pay-per-views. And at the time, like, and I'll be straight up, like, he, he entertained me um, as a performer. Like, I loved listening to his promos. His promos were very funny very creative. He talked in the, in the third person. I dug it. I dug the presentation. His in-ring work left a little bit to be uh, a little bit to be desired for me. Like I appreciated the fact what he was but I appreciated his work more as a heel than I did when he switched to babyface. And it wasn't really something that he did. He I mean the fans turned him. Because he was just that good. He was that talented. He was that captivating. He was, without a shadow of a doubt, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. And, you know, it would lead to these appearances, hosting Saturday Night Live, and then he starts doing the movies, The Scorpion King, and then, I mean, now look where he's at. It's insane. Us as wrestling fans, longtime wrestling fans, you, there's, you're on one side of the fence or the other on that aspect of it. Either you're happy for him and you think it's really awesome that he was able to catapult himself off of professional wrestling and become the biggest and most highest paid movie star in the world 
like that's 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 on the level of a former professional wrestler becoming the governor of a state in the case of you know Jesse the body Ventura who was the governor of Minnesota like it just shouldn't be that way but it is obviously with the success that Dwayne Johnson had in Hollywood, it was going to take him away from WWE. And a lot of fans felt jaded. A lot of fans felt let down. I didn't really feel that way. Like I just saw it was inevitable. He was, he was too, he became too big for WWE is what happened. And like he rolled the dice on himself and, like it paid off. I say all that to say something significant happened Friday night. Completely unannounced, complete shock. Nobody saw it coming. And what you saw and heard, if you tuned in live, especially if you tuned in live, was one of the most amazing reactions to another human I have ever heard, seen, or experienced as a fan. And it got me to thinking about a number of different things. So what happens is, and if you're not a wrestling fan and you're tuning into this and you're still listening to this, I, like, I appreciate the shit out of you. Um, I really do. But to put this in context, I want you, I would, I, let me not be so assholish about it. I would suggest that you hit pause, go to YouTube, and look up. The Rock's return to SmackDown from this past Friday. And then come back and join me. Now, for those of you who have already seen it, and you've watched it dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times, because it's one of those moments. Um, that was absolutely huge on so many levels now fan wise it took the most critical fan of Dwayne Johnson or or anti-fan I guess I should say because there are people who resent this man for leaving the wrestling business to pursue his career in Hollywood a lot of resentment towards that some of the workers, some of the wrestlers have expressed resentment towards like John Cena, especially. And then look into what the fuck John Cena went and did. The exact same thing to the majority. He did the same thing. He pissed and moaned about Dwayne Johnson, like in real life on Twitter and all that shit. I mean, and it ultimately led to them doing some business at back-to-back -back WrestleManias, and that's great and everything, but there was real-life animosity between these two dudes, okay? Cena represented 
the wrestling fan base who really had a real issue with Dwayne Johnson leaving WWE. What happened on Friday erased all of that. What happened on Friday made for one moment every single person who was either in that arena, I believe they were in Colorado, Denver, they were in Denver, and every single person either watching at home, on their phone, or something, every single person for one moment, their eyes widened a little bit more, and there was some degree of a smile on their face. And Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, is the one that made that happen. The pop that occurred when his music hit with his trademark catchphrase, if you smell what the Rock is cooking. The explosion of emotion was off the charts and unlike anything that WWE has experienced in a long, long time. I would almost, I would put that right up there. In my opinion, the biggest pop in WWE history was Steve Austin running out and assisting Mick Foley in beating The Rock for his first world title in 1999 like you go back and watch that pop watch that crowd explode when austin's music hits man that that was uh that was a moment more recently and i know i'm critical of this brand but it happened in aew with the return of cm punk that crowd was on fire for him. It was his hometown. It was Chicago. And news leaked he was coming in. Or it was announced or whatever. People knew he was going to be there. But still, it was his first appearance in a long time. And people popped. And it was a huge, huge, huge moment for All Elite Wrestling. The Rocks return on Friday night eclipsed that. The Rock's return on Friday night meant more than that. Both of them. Austin's run-in, Punk's return. And here's why. Because there was one dude that came out. Now, there was that initial eruption when his music hit. But when he stepped out on the stage, that crowd picked it up another fucking level. And it was incredible. And for however long that segment was, between he and Austin Theory with Pat McAfee out there, however long that was, was a significant shot in the arm for a brand new era in world wrestling entertainment that is now part of a merged entity with the UFC 
in the creation of this TKO company. They needed something huge to maintain the fact that this, that even though it is no longer solely owned by Vince McMahon, it was going to be okay. His return has been viewed an astronomical amount of times on social media, breaking all kinds of records. It is Dwayne Johnson in a professional wrestling event environment. Are you shitting me? I say all that to say this. For any of the critics out there, that do not fundamentally understand what professional wrestling is. More often than not, nothing you will ever be told or you see will ever make you fully understand why wrestling is what it is and why it's often just chalked up as, eh, it's fake. Got news for you, Jack. What happened in, in Denver, Colorado last Friday night when one man walked out and had literally had the entire world in the palm of his hands? It gets no more real than that, bro. The emotion from those people in the arena, the emotion from those watching at home, it that's as real as it gets. You show me you show me another entertainment or sport entity that provides that kind of emotion on that level. Now, there will be the, well, you know, in the NFL and, you know, in baseball, and they, look, you look, you can make an argument for your favorite sport. You can. Not, um, you know. But it's moments like that, man. And as somebody that was involved in the business for a good chunk of my adult life, that moment illustrated to me that even though the business continues to evolve, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty critical about some of the aspects it's evolving to, but it's moments like that that make me damn proud to be a wrestling fan. And it gets no more real than that. So with that, we're going to put a bow on this week's episode. I certainly appreciate you tuning in, hanging out with me for a little bit this week. Any questions, comments, feedback, show topic ideas, uh, send them over to our Facebook page. Just look for Klaus of the Heart or head over to our website where all of our information is on there, klausoftheheart.net. With that, go out this week. Be awesome to yourselves and to each other. And we'll see you right back here next week with a brand new episode of the Klaus of the Heart podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network. Mm -hmm.